Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that will stay dead if there is a massive drop in quality. I'm James. I'm Dan. Is this the last episode then? No, we're still we're still at high quality. I think. Oh I right, think. okay. I hope. Yeah, go on then. We peaked at 132 in the Apple Podcast charts for film reviews this week, so I'm going to say the quality is still there. Yeah, I agree. This week we'll talk about what we've been watching. We have some real news, and our main review is The Matrix Resurrections. Before all that, though, last episode, we, we feigned Christmas because it, it hadn't quite happened yet. We released the episode early. But how was your Christmas, your actual one? Did you did you have a good one, and do you have any interesting tales to tell? Yeah, I did have a good one with the, with the fam, uh, which is always nice. And we also had a Christmas outing, me and the wife and her friend and her husband. And... It was a bit of a nightmare because when we met up, we were already in a place that we could eat in, which was Hatch in Manchester. But then the friends said, let's go to this other place that's really good. It's just a short walk just over there. It wasn't just over there. It was a 10 minute walk, veering all the way through the back streets of Manchester. Get there. There's nowhere to sit. It's more of a bar with four stools at the front. That's the only place to sit. So we said, we'll go to another place that's just over there, just across the way. Walked all the way through gay village out the other side to this other place that was actually in chinatown which was not a short walk from where we originally were and when we got into chinatown they said oh this is great it's like dim sum you just order lots of different things and then eat what you want it's delicious it's great you're gonna love it i had no idea what was coming because the whole menu was in chinese i just thought as long as i'm gonna get some rice and meat it'll be fine but everything that came out was absolutely awful like (laughs) chicken legs that had hardly any meat on them it was just skin and bone with no meat and then a lot of soft, chewy, doughy things that I really don't like. And every time I was eating something, these friends who said this place was amazing were saying, oh, what do you think? And I would just have to say, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I think that says it all, really, doesn't yeah. it? And I think they knew I wasn't really enjoying it. But because it was my first time meeting them, it was too awkward to play it off. But then by the end, I'd obviously eaten hardly anything. They said, you didn't like it, did you? And I said, no, nope, didn't like it. I'm not going to lie. I didn't like it. I'm sorry. I just, I didn't like it. It's not my kind of food. And they said, oh, well, you know, it was so awkward. The walk around Manchester really annoyed me. I was saying to my wife, where are we going? Where are we? I'm not being a control freak, but where are we going? Because we could have just stayed where we were at the start. Just just be fine. It'd be fine. This is just, 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 just enjoy it. I can't enjoy walking around, not knowing where I'm going with people that I've just met. I want to sit down and talk to them. The whole thing was a disaster. On the way home, got a McDonald's. (laughs) Can I ask what put you off the original venue? What 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 was the deciding factor there? Just them saying there's somewhere better. Yeah, just they said there's somewhere that we recommend. So we didn't stay at Hatch, even though we were surrounded by things to eat. And it was raining and it was cold. Is that the end of that couple's journey then as a collective? <laughs> maybe not. I think maybe next time we will agree to a, a single meeting place that I have knowledge of beforehand so that I will actually be able to eat. So McDonald's then? Or Pizza Express or Weatherspoons. Are you okay? Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, we're all right. Okay. What have you been watching this week? Obviously, we, we've consumed most of this content throughout the festive period. And I decided to watch The Rescue on Disney Plus, which is a National Geographic, I believe, documentary. 
and it's about the rescue attempt to save 13 young boys from impending death, basically, because they got stuck in a flooded cave system in Thailand. I'm sure you remember it. It it hit the headlines at the time. And I, I remember being aware of it, but aware of it in that I equipped myself with the bare minimum amount of knowledge to ensure I couldn't be caught off guard in this conversation and make myself look stupid. So, you know, if somebody said to me, oh, have you heard about those boys in Thailand? I could say, yes, yes, I have. And I wouldn't be lying. (laughs) But the extent of that knowledge boils down to about three headlines that said something along the lines of trapped, in trouble, saved. And that's all I knew. This documentary really highlights how deeply ignorant a lot of people are, and that includes myself. And that's just because you don't understand, or I didn't, the sheer complexity of this rescue operation. You have to see it for yourself. That's a Morpheus quote. I don't want to take you through the detail because I think discovering that for yourself adds to the tension of the situation. And obviously you know the outcome, but it is still tense. And as the days tick by, more and more obstacles get put in the way so that it becomes this literal race against time. I will say it is quite Brit-centric. There were thousands of people from around the world that volunteered and assisted with this, but the limelight seems to go on the Brits that were involved. And I think that's because they were integral to it, but I do wonder what the Thai people make of this because the Thai Navy SEALs were there and plenty of other people. And and it is mentioned, they are there but there's just not a song and dance made about them uh the story is told through a combination of news and nosy bystander footage but it does also have some dramatic reenactment stuff that was very effective i watched that on boxing day um i admit not the most festive of choices but it left me with a warmth and i suppose a renewed sense of hope in humanity because judging by this not everybody in the world is a twat that sounds very positive about the positive human spirit 100%, yeah, and for that reason alone, I think you should watch it. And if you happen to, and you like it, seek out a documentary called Touching the Void because it's structured very similar to this and is one of my all-time favourite documentaries. What else have you been watching? The Kindred. The Kindred. The the Kind Red, however you say it. It's a British horror horror. I'm I'm doing inverted commas. You can't see that because it's, it's an audio podcast. And this is about a woman who, at the very beginning of the film, she's running away from something in a panic. And she makes her way out of this apartment complex, runs into the street, only to witness her father's body fall to his death, mere feet away from her. Bang! Shocking. And then, bang! She gets hit by a car almost two seconds later. So a double whammy of, of shocks in store at the very start. So it was a strong opening. And I thought, oh, where's this going? The rest of the film is her waking up from a coma a year later. She doesn't remember what she was running from. She's got amnesia. What was this conversation with the dad that led to this series of events? And it's all about her uncovering that. Oh, and she also gave birth to a daughter whilst being in a coma. So she's coming to terms with motherhood too. She starts to see ghostly apparitions that appear to be warning her about something. And it's basically her putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And haunted house films are in the thousands at this point. And thankfully, I feel as though this took a bit of a different approach to this sort of story. For one, it's a haunted flat, not a house. So it's got that in its favour. But also the plot and the surrounding mystery, it was quite well thought out and I, I found myself suitably intrigued. It is, however, a lot stronger as a mystery thriller than a horror. I can't say I found anything particularly scary about it. 
but it does take some interesting twists and turns. I, th- I thought I'd guess the ending 30 minutes in and I said to my partner, I'm going to spoil this for you. This is what's happened. And I was so smug with myself and it turns out I was dead wrong. So, well, I was, no, I was halfway wrong. So anyway, uh, Blake Harrison, who played Neil in The Inbetweeners, he's in this as the husband of the central characters. And that was quite, you know, good to see him. Uh, couldn't be further from that idiotic role he played. So I enjoyed seeing him do something different. And, and I'm sure he has done plenty of things that are different, but this is my only exposure to him after the in-between us. In summary, it's okay. It's it's worth a watch on a dark and gloomy Sunday afternoon. I wouldn't rent it, though, which is how I watch this. I just wait for it to become free when it um, hits streaming services in approximately eight weeks. That does sound very good. So where is it on the streaming services or where will it be on the streaming services? Uh, I I got it on Amazon Prime uh, for rental. I'm sure it's probably available on Apple and other services as well. Okay. What is the last thing that you've been watching to close off 2021? Well, that's convenient, James, because I watched Death to 2021. Is it part of the Black Mirror name? this the brand or is it something separate i don't actually know I should have it's something separate of note is that charlie brooker was not involved but he was in the last wasn't he yes right okay so this is another one of those but for a different year i can't remember your views on it last year but i seem to remember you liking it a bit more than me this is just a retread of the same thing but for 2021 and because of that you know it's a continuation of a really shit time again that's overshadowed by a global pandemic and it can't help feel like the same thing and i know i know we've got the vaccine and there's some knowing nods to you know what's now become commonplace to us that probably wasn't 12 months ago but just referencing something that we now have to do as part of our lives doesn't immediately make it funny a lot of the people who were in the previous Death to 2020, they are in this. And I was quite, not sad to see, but Christina Miliota, she's back. And the sketches where she plays this greatly ignorant woman, she's basically a caricature of everything that's wrong with society. And that should work, but it just feels like it's taking really cheap pop shots at stuff. And it just fell completely flat. It's not all bad. Diane Morgan, Bolton's finest, uh, is probably the best thing about it. All her bits were funny. Uh, I did like Hugh Grant again, but outside of that, the humour felt a bit stale. Like, for example, Joe Biden being referred to as a ghost or just plain old. That's somewhat amusing, but I felt like it was a joke that's repeated sporadically for the entire runtime, and I, I just thought they could do more with it. It's just nowhere near as edgy or cutting as... Charlie Brooker's news white was. It just doesn't work for me. And I don't want to see another one next year unless they do something drastically different. I believe you watched this as well, though, didn't you? What did you think? I was underwhelmed. They went after easy targets, as you said. I think only Philomena Kunk was truly funny and gug from Bolton. Some of Lawrence Fishburne's lines made me laugh. The in memoriam for the people that were cancelled was funny. That was funny, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it had uh, Matt Damon and J.K. Rowling in it. It was weird that they positioned Netflix content as among the pivotal moments of the year. Like It went mm. from the January 6th riot to then Bridgerton happened, and that was a significant <laughs> thing. It was self-promotion, and it didn't really feel very good. A lot of it is political and social messages to perpetuate the reality that Netflix lives in, which links up with The Matrix, like creating a reality and convincing people of something. They put up straw man arguments for things that they didn't like and then deny that those things even exist, like the colorblind casting and the culture war. They openly fire shots in the culture war, but then at the end, Lawrence Fishman says, some people say there's a culture war. So, well, yeah, this is part of the culture war. This program is part of it. Rating out of 10, 
Don't know why. Two. Oh, two. Well, I was going to say four, but okay. Laughing about three times in an hour, it doesn't really. For something that has that many jokes in it, it's trying so hard. But you can tell that it's protecting some people. Like with the Harry and Meghan interview, they said that the interview happened. They talk about the royal family. It's a chance to criticise the royal family, but they don't talk about the fact that that interview happened. Like not not commenting on the obvious things that everyone else is commenting on at the time. Like doing an interview with Oprah in your mutual friend's mansion and then complaining about your life. No, and I, I think I probably said it last year with the death to 2020, but it just... I might be misremembering... Charlie Brooker's news wipe, but it felt like there was some really like not interesting stuff that happened in the year, but that you got so much comedy out of the most simplest of things. And this just feels like you have such a goldmine of events in a year to get comedy out of. And, and all right, some of it's you know quite dark, but you can get great humor out of dark stuff sometimes. And they just don't strike and take the opportunity, I feel, when, when they really could have done. There's there's so much material to work with. Yeah, they just say that the events happened, make the most obvious joke possible, and then move on. Or even with the Olympics, they said that the Olympics happened. There were no people there. They mentioned Simone Biles, and then that was it. They didn't even make any jokes about anything they were talking about. And that was what I'm saying. Like They protect Simone Biles, but if you're not going to make jokes, just don't bring it up. Just bring something else up. Agreed. Lazy. Not worth your time. Skip it. But anything that we should not skip, but rather stream that you have watched in the last few weeks? Yes, also on Netflix, I finally watched The Power of the Dog, starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Kirsten Dunst. Believe the hype, believe the reviews, it's excellent. It's well-directed by Jane Campion. There's so much more going on than the simple premise of wife's brother bullies wife, which is what it says on Netflix. So Benedict Cumberbatch and his brother own a ranch. Phil is Benedict Cumberbatch's character's name. Phil is awful and calls his brother Fatso all the time. And he enjoys the power of being the big man. And when he finds out that his brother is getting married, the camera holds on his reaction in a great piece of directing. And you see he's not happy. Phil launches a campaign of psychological warfare against Kirsten Dunst, the new wife, and her child, played by Cody McPhee-Smith. Smith-McPhee? Cody Smith-McPhee? And things get more complicated after that. And the true themes of the film come forward and it is brilliant. It is a Western, but don't look at the images on Netflix and think it's a gritty, bog-standard Western. The performances are mesmerising and the way it's shot really plays into the themes of loneliness and jealousy and a lack of contact with people or a desire for contact. I really, really liked it. That's my... Very wordy way of saying that it's good. I really, really liked it. Would it have replaced anything in the top five? Important question. I don't think so, no. It would have been an honourable mention. I was put off by this film because I listened to another review of it and hearing you talk about it, I don't think you had this sort of reception to it, but it was implied that it's quite a meandering, slow-paced, almost nothing happens film for 90% of it. And then on this review, they basically said the last 10 minutes made them recontextualize the whole understanding of the film. Would that be fair to say, or was that just not your journey with it? I think the last 10 minutes is the culmination of everything that was building up before that point. And I knew what was what was going on underneath mm-hmm. that then comes forward in the last, the last events. Right. Well, I may shove it on the watch list for this year. Thanks for that one. Anything else? I watched the first episode of The Book of Boba Fett the new Star Wars content on Disney Plus for us to consume. 
I don't know anything about this. Is it live action? Is it animated? It's live action. It's starring to Maren Morrison, who plays Boba Fett in... When does he play Boba Fett? No, he played Jango Fett in the prequels, who was Boba Fett's father, and then he's provided the voice of Boba Fett in other Star Wars media. And it is set after the events of Return of the Jedi, after Boba Fett escapes from the Sarlacc pit using a flamethrower. But it's actually not. Structurally, it's a bit weird. So it starts off where Boba Fett is becoming the ruler of the little realm that Jabba the Hutt oversaw. So he's becoming a crime lord, basically. And all that happens in this first episode is that Boba Fett is trying to establish himself as the new crime lord in this town, realm, region. And there are regular flashbacks to what happened immediately after Return of the Jedi when he was escaped from the Sarlacc pit. Oh, it's the Sarlacc pit. He was robbed by Jawas. Oh, it's the Jawas doing the voice. Then he was kidnapped by the Sand People. Oh, it's the Sand People. But nothing really happens. It's pure nostalgia bait. It was okay. It's fine. I did have fun watching it. But as a series, for now, for this first episode, I'm not that enthralled by it. You have to like Star Wars already to believe that this is worth watching because it's just a matter of what other costumes are they going to dig up? What other sound effects are they going to repeat? That makes sense because at least 50% of everything that you've just said, I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. Okay. Who are the? Who are, what are these things? But that makes complete sense because that's what it's relying on. Not not bowling you over then this, because I remember early this year, we were saying, you know, how much content's coming out Star Wars wise. And you were like, I'll consume it when it's here. I'm not building myself up for it. I'm not bothered till it's arrived. And it would seem that this has just landed a bit meh with you. Yeah. Yeah, I've removed myself from the hype and the theories. I've watched the available 37 minutes, and that's my reaction. Well, I had no desire to watch it, and still don't, so thanks. Yeah. Right, real news then? Yes. It's the real thing. It is now. Real, real news. News. Well, James, it, it's all happening. It's all been happening since we've took a bit of a Christmas break, which, in effect, was not a break at all. News is that Kanye West has bought a property across the road from his soon-to-be-divorced ex-wife, Kim Kardashian. Reactions? That sounds worrying. That's a worrying development. I'm sure she's not happy either. But um... That's real news this week. Yep. Main review. <laughs> No, um, there is some news, uh, which again is like a repeat of news from the past. Michael Keaton will not only reprise his role as Batman in the Flash film that is due out later this year. Word is he will also be appearing in Batgirl. Didn't know they were making a Batgirl. Me neither. Mm. Seems like they've gone, mm, Spider-Man, no way home. That, that worked well. Uh, we had that idea before, though. We just didn't get it out in time. Let's just rinse this for all it's worth. Do you have much to say on this? Are you excited? Could you not give a damn? I think it's the Star Wars thing again. Well, I'll just wait for the content to come out. I'll wait for it to actually deliver something. Is this a Batgirl movie? Yes, it is. Yeah. Right. I don't think they... So it's confirmed Michael Keaton is in it. I don't think we even know who Batgirl is. So will this be part of the Flashpoint multiverse that is not connected to the Batman? Oh, whatever. I'll just... When it comes out, I'm sure I'll watch it like a good consumer. Speaking of whatever, and I don't want to give them time that they don't deserve, but have you heard how many Spider-Man films are in the works off the back of what we've just seen with Spider-Man Nowhere From Home? No. It's redonkulous. I'm going to find this article. Because it's it's stupid. 
I'm going to fly through this because there's a lot. So I, I say it off the back of some of these were probably in development, but renewed interest in, in Spider-Man has, has just meant that there's opportunities here for further films that we don't need. So Morbius already due out later this month in January. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2. I'm looking forward to that. Very much liked the other one. Craven the Hunter is in the works and will arrive in 2023. I don't know who that is, but he's in the Spider-Man universe. Then there is also an all-female Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse spin-off. There's an Electro film, possibly. There's another Spider-Man 4 in the Tobey Maguire series of films, possibly. There's Madam Web, an untitled Olivia Wilde movie. They've just gone mad. This is too much. And there are some calls for an amazing Spider-Man 3 with Andrew Garfield. Yeah, I don't have the willpower to endure all of this. <laughs> I just don't. It sounds like Marvel. Well, there's so much content that you can say. Pick and choose what you want. Should we make a commitment? We'll have a list of things that should be struck from real news. Yeah. yeah. And Marvel, Spider-Man, Michael Keaton. If we bin off Marvel as a news item, we may as well bin off real news as a section. So we'll hold out on that one. Okay. But just to know, if people demand, we will strike things from real news going forward. Okay. Sounds like there's too much choice with Spider-Man and it's overwhelming. Well, that is almost seamless from my next news story. Jamie Dornan was interviewed in recent weeks, months. Who knows? is isn't timestamped. We don't know. It just came out recently, this article. And he said, yes, it's the golden age of television, but it comes with some danger because we're all spoilt for choice. Dornan said, you've got the ability now where if you're not enjoying it, you move on to the next thing, which I think is a bit dangerous. You know, it's sad. How many times do we watch stuff and say, I wasn't sure. It took me three episodes to get into it, but it's still hard to get stuff made. If you got to the stage of getting it made, chances are there's something good in there and you've just got to give it a chance. I think we've discussed this in the past. He's, he's right on the money. He is, isn't he? There's so much stuff that we overlook because it's just not an instantaneous bang, I'm in there. Yes, I want to see more of this. It's just grip me in five minutes or I'm moving on. And that's maybe the wrong approach. Yes, yes. And I can move on to another few thousand titles. Just on reflection, anything from last year that you bounced off of because it didn't grip you, but you've heard it to be good and wish you'd continued? No, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. What about you? Uh, well, we didn't plan this, so I've made no notes, so I, I can't tell you anything either. Right, so okay. End it there. Yep. Speaking of things that should have ended, this week's main review. Hello, I'd like to order an opinion, please. This film is new, fresh point of view. Hold me sit back, this is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync, tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. This week's main review is The Matrix Resurrections. We can't see it. But we're all trapped inside these strange repeating loops. Billions of people just living out their lives. Oblivious. But this is the moment for you to show us what is real. I remember this. Returning to the revered franchise, remembered for revolutionary action and revelatory messages, writer-director Lana Wachowski provides this remake, reboot, remix that reunites the stars of the original, Just Two, 
in an attempt to reinvigorate a regrettable career, remorselessly recreating old scenes, retreading old themes, all in the hope of a large remuneration for the relentless Warner Brothers executives. Is this a reputable reclamation of the Matrix or a redundant revamp that we won't recommend at the end of our review? Oh, if there was some sort of alliteration competition, you'd win, hands down. That was, that was brilliant. But what it's about, to find out if his reality is a physical or mental construct, Mr. Anderson, a.k.a. Neo, will have to choose to follow the White Rabbit once more. If he's learned anything, it's that choice, while an illusion, is still the only way out of or into the Matrix. This is a weird summary. Neo already knows what he has to do, but he doesn't yet know if the Matrix is stronger, more secure and far more dangerous than ever before. Before we dive into that, should we give a bit of a background as to our history with these films? Yes, it is. Okay, so for, for me, I watched the first film on a date with one of my first victims, girlfriends, and I can only assume it was down to the constant necking, but I left this film claiming that it was a steaming pile of shit and one of the worst things I'd ever seen. So read between the lines there, I don't think I watched the vast majority of it. For some unknown reason, I then bought this on VHS the day that it was released, and I watched it again, only to then say it's one of the greatest films of all time. So read into that what you will. I'm I'm obviously a very fickle person. And then, like many others of our age, I spent three years hyping myself up to watch the sequels. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it felt like it was the first of its kind. We were getting this huge film event where... They were kind of shot back to back and they were going to release them six months apart. So cinematic event. It could not disappoint, but it did a lot. And it it was abysmal in my eyes. I hated the previous two films, Reloaded and Revolutions. It just tainted a near perfect film for me. So that's my background leading up to this. I was thinking they must have a damn good reason to resurrect this corpse. What about you? I don't remember when I first watched The Matrix, but I remember you telling me that you had watched it with that person and it was a moment of betrayal because I think we had talked about watching it together. But I don't think I did watch it at the cinema because I was too baby-faced to get in for 15 films at the time. But I remember the hype. I did watch it eventually and thought it was good. And I remember the hype exactly as you described for The uh, Reloaded in 2003. And it was awful. The architect scene, the legendary scene of nonsense and I remember very well that it was all hyped up and it was hyped up in Empire magazine with constant articles then when Matrix Revolutions came out they gave Matrix Revolutions a two-star review that was two paragraphs in the corner of a page after all the hype and that to me is the lasting memory of the Matrix sequels it was a two-paragraph two-star review in Empire magazine after months and months of hype i just pretend that other films don't exist the first film is a classic one of those films where if you just decide randomly to watch one scene on youtube you will want to watch the rest of it because the whole thing is so good and speaking of that sort of thing i will preface my whole review by saying i did not do my homework in full on this i decided to do the cliff notes version and watch the 10 minute recap video after just buying reloaded i thought go on watch it and then i watched this recap video and i thought Oh, you've just pointed out how redundant those last two films were because it just got too caught up in its own bullshit and became just overly complex. So I skipped it and went straight to this. 
I think we both heard really mixed things going into this. And because of that, I tailored my expectations. I thought, resign yourself to this being awful and it can only reward you, right? This film is a complete mystery to me and I'm not referring to the plot being complex. I just mean its existence. I thought they can't make this unless there's a really good reason to do so. And I'll admit, an hour in, I thought, oh, I see what you're doing here. You're deconstructing what those films were and playing with our memory of them and what they meant, not just to us, but the character of Thomas Anderson. I thought, this, this is really interesting. It was a bit up its own ass and, and a very meta, but I'm actually having a bit of fun with it at that point. And I thought, if this film goes where I think it's going, what a ridiculously left-field idea this is. And I was admiring the ambition of it, and I'll talk more about that in spoilers. Alas, it didn't do that. Instead, it's a rehash of the same story we saw in the original with different actors, which all feels a bit pointless. The action, for me, I, I did something I don't normally do. I listened to a review before recording this because I just thought, I don't know whether my opinions are valid here. There was no mention of what I can only describe as really oddly dated action in this. Like I said, loads of films tried to imitate this in the early 2000s, and this feels like something that's trying to imitate The Matrix and failing from an action perspective. It felt to me like a middle-to-big-budget TV show and not a film, and I found that so jarring that I started to wonder with my ideas about where the film was going. I thought, is this, is this clever? Is this purposeful? Maybe there's a bit more to this than meets the eye. Spoiler, there's not. It's really poorly choreographed. It looks bad. And that's because it just is bad. They also, later on in the film, use this really dodgy-looking slow-mo. It's juddery, and it, again, gave it a bit of a TV of the early 2000s type of look, which is not within its favour at all. Speaking of bad, there's so many one-liners in the original Matrix that just exude cool. And I'm not saying guns are cool, but lines like, guns, lots of guns, and then you see thousands of weapons appear around them. It felt awesome at the time, and there is nothing even close to that in this film. This feels like a relative in try-hard mode attempting to be down with the kids and just failing at every turn. It was actually really uncomfortable for me to slowly realise what this film was. And as for the actors, mostly everybody is okay, but I'm afraid to say Keanu Reeves has maintained his ability to not act particularly well, and he is beyond wooden in this. His delivery feels forced and unnatural. And again, it was a bit embarrassing to behold. Now, hands up, I haven't looked into the discussion much around this since it's released. So I'm giving you a really raw, uneducated opinion. I'm sure there's deeper subtext to this that went completely over my head. But even if I take that into consideration, that doesn't get away from the fact that it's a really poorly stitched together film from an execution standpoint. It felt amateurish in many respects, and I would never guess that this was from one of the same directors of the original film. For me, this is a squandered opportunity, it's a waste of everyone's time, and more than that, it's an insult to fans of the original. Unless that is, I'm missing the point. James, what were your thoughts? I agree that it doesn't offer a good reason to exist, I'll say that right up front. It doesn't fit in well with the other films, and I think the reason is that the main creative staff from the first trilogy are not working on this film. The editor, the production designer, the music guy, and the producer and the cinematographer, they were the same across all three Matrix films. But here, the only person coming back is one of the two directors and writers. And that director has not made a good film since The Matrix, or possibly Cloud Atlas. So I think that is part of why there's actually not a lot going on here, because The Matrix was this miracle of all these different people working as a team to make something truly great. 
the plot is so convoluted that I don't even think it's worth talking about because it's such a mess. The person is terrible. The film stops dead for about 20 minutes to do all the meta commentary. But the meta commentary is just so basic and so on the nose that it feels pointless. And then it doesn't go anywhere. That's forgotten about. It looks like a generic Hollywood action film that you've said. It's shot poorly. The choreography is mediocre. It's all shot close up. There's an action scene around the middle where some bad guys all jump into this abandoned like warehouse thing and it immediately becomes completely chaotic. You don't know what's going on and no one's doing anything cool. The comedy, this has comedy in it for some reason. It's embarrassing and it seems like they wanted to have comedy at the start, like with Morpheus being all wacky, but they either intentionally dropped the comedy or they did those scenes first and realised this isn't working. Let's not try and do the comedy because it's terrible. Like the bit where... Neo or Thomas Anderson, he gets offered the red pill and blue pill and he kind of comically goes, no, 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 this can't be happening. But it's only that bit where he's trying to be funny. Keanu Reeves is back, but he does seem tired and uninspired, completely different from John Wick, where he seems very motivated. It might be because his character, he's not himself, literally and virtually. We'll get into in spoilers. That might be intentional. But in terms of delivering what you expect, he doesn't hold a gun for the whole film which is shocking. Carrie Ann Moss is hardly in it, despite the claims that this is her film, so great to see her back. She's hardly in it. The only person that I feel was actually good, that looked like they were trying and didn't embarrass themselves, was Jessica Hennig. And I've ended up seeing her in a lot of film and TV, and she plays her part well, but that character doesn't have much of a character arc. She starts off as a neo-fanboy, is like that all the way through, and then fades into the background by the end, which is a shame because she was the only good thing. And I will say, it was said that The Matrix was inspired by Ghost in the Shell and that maybe the Trinity character looks and does things similar to Motocore from the 1995 Ghost in the Shell. In this film, when Bugs, Jessica Henwick, first appears, she has blue hair, a black leather jacket and red leather pants. In Ghost in the Shell Arise, which is the more recent Ghost in the Shell anime, Motocore is redesigned as having blue hair and wears a red jacket and red pants. So I think they maybe were a little bit inspired by Mortico. Maybe, I don't know. I think we might need to go straight into spoilers because there's so much to talk about, but you can't do it without spoiling. So shall we just recommend or not and then do spoilers? Go on then, James. Would you recommend Matrix Resurrections? I would recommend it because it's a noble failure that you need to see just how nobly it fails. Okay. Do you recommend <laughs> The Matrix Resurrections? I was not expecting that. I recommend the first hour and then make up your own ending and don't watch the rest. No, I don't recommend this. I thought it was tragically bad. Let's go into spoilers. Bruce Willis. Real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. Neo makes a truce between the machines and the humans at the end of the Matrix revolutions. That leads to a power shortage for the machines. There is a machine civil war. A new power, Neil Patrick Harris, creates a new matrix that is an oppressive system, just like the original one. And the humans, with the truce now broken, they're back in hiding now, and they reset to their previous state of living underground. But they now live in Io. Neo and Trinity are in the matrix, and their unrealized love for each other generates more power for the Matrix. Jessica Henwick's crew bring out Neo, and then it's the same plot after that. We need to bring down the Matrix, I think, but they don't. There's no stakes in the film. 
Well, you've just described a lot of what went completely over my head. I didn't know half of that stuff was happening in this film. Uh, no, I did. I did in a roundabout way. I just think I was I was disengaged very early on after that hour mark and just gave up. Can I tell you where I thought this was going? Yes. So I thought this was going to be a man dealing with mental illness. I thought that this is not going to be an action film. This is going to be everything that you thought The Matrix was is going to be completely undone. And this is a guy who's quite simply gone mad. And everything's like, this is a manifestation of you know his own delusions and, and his failure to keep a grip on reality. Now that, I could have so gone with that film. Don't give me any action scenes. This is literally a character study. How ballsy would that have been? And they kind of play with it a bit, but then abandon it all and go back to, let's just repeat the same formula. And like you said, it is noble in that that idea is half in there or, or a version of that idea. But I was so annoyed that it just didn't commit to it. I thought this could piss a lot of people off, but I will respect it for it trying to be different. But in the end, it just ends up being the same old thing. I think you're right. And I think I know we're supposed to talk about what the film is rather than what it, we wished it would be. But I think that's for me where the interest is with this is what they almost did but didn't do or what they could have done but didn't do. So I think, mm. yeah, we'll just talk about what we thought it, it could have been or should have been or would have been if they kept on to that idea they had at the start. My galaxy brain take is was film the right medium for this version of The Matrix? I don't suppose you've read Glamorama by Brett Easton Ellis. I have not. It's never quite clear in that book whether the protagonist is in a film or being filmed for a reality show or whether he's delusional or whether the whole book is a big joke and there isn't even supposed to be an answer to it. It seems like something of that idea is in this film, which is what you're talking about, but it gets abandoned too quickly. And you could have done a book. No, they wouldn't have ever done this because they wouldn't have made money, but... You could have done a book about Neo in the Matrix again, and it's not clear whether it's the real world in which the Matrix films exist or whether it's inside the Matrix. There is something like this, which is Curb Your Enthusiasm, that did a Seinfeld reunion season that was about the making of a Seinfeld reunion. And the joke was, this is the closest you're going to get to a Seinfeld reunion. But we don't want to do one, so just deal with what we're giving you, which is the making of the Seinfeld reunion. And we're going to show you actual scenes from a Seinfeld reunion, but we're not actually going to make it. That is a better version of the idea that this film almost did. And can I say, just, just to back up what I was saying before about the action, when I said it might have been purposely bad, I thought this was, oh, it looks a bit lame because this is a guy projecting what he thinks is cool. Like, this is how he envisages the action. So I thought, oh, actually, this is really clever. That's why it's really poor, but it ends up... That's not what's happening. It's just really poor action. Yes, yes. And that's, like, the problem is that they make fun of the idea of remaking The Matrix, but it's a game, not a film. And then what this film actually does is remake The Matrix, but unironically. Yeah. And ask you to care about it after they've made fun about making it and what was speculated at first when the trailer came out which sounds better than what they've done is that keanu reeves is playing an actor who was in the matrix films and he gets asked to make a fourth matrix film and then it's a film about keanu reeves playing himself making the fourth matrix film and you don't know what's the film what's the film that they're making and what's the matrix and what is the real world and whether he's out of the real world or in the film and it's all just really 
confusing, but really interesting. And like you're saying, it could just be about him losing his mind. And that, like we just identified that there's other versions of this. It has been done before, so it wouldn't be wholly original, but I just think that is so much more interesting and ambitious to play around with rather than let's just repeat the plot beats again and again. Because I don't remember Reloaded and Revolutions very much. I know I watched a recap video, but I didn't watch this and pick out, oh, this is the bit in Reloaded or Revolutions that they're repeating here. But it's still, with just my memory of the original film being intact, felt like this is exactly what the first film was again. Like I said, it's a squandered opportunity. I'm, I'm annoyed. You said to me that the end action scene is kind of, well, you didn't use these words, but you know, it's, it's better than what came before it. It is, but marginally for me, I still thought it was a really bad sequence. The, the whole end action scene did not work for me. I guess there's some bits in it that you did like, though. I only mean the bit where the analyst, Neil Patrick Harris, unleashes his bots and they all start jumping off buildings to try to kill Neo Trinity. Only that bit, which was basically zombies. It was Matrix zombies, so not very original. But <laughs> when it happened, I thought, oh, this is, this is actually new, using these bots as a weapon to try to kill Neo and Trinity, but all the tension disappears when Neo just has this ability to force push everything away from him. That's the bit I was referring to. Right, I see, I see. I've got three ideas that are in the film that I think are worth exploring, but they don't, and that annoys me. So, number one, in the first film, The Matrix exists as a conspiracy theory that Neo wants to learn about. He asks, what is The Matrix when he first meets Trinity? In this film, it seems that the idea is that the best way to discredit a conspiracy theory is to openly talk about the conspiracy and make it ridiculous, which happens in our world, which I won't go into, but that does happen, like Pizzagate. There's a kernel of truth to these conspiracy theories, but you make them so ridiculous that anyone that would actually endorse them is just an idiot mm. or going mad and here have some medication. There's something there. They don't go into it. Number two. The binary or non-binary identities, so Neo and Trinity, are literally trapped in other people's bodies, the older people that you suddenly see the reflection of. Morpheus is both Smith and Morpheus, and he's in the Matrix, and he can both exist in the physical world as well with those metal bead things. Niobe talks about it's not us versus them, it's us and them, and this human city is called IO, IO, one zero, binary. And Thomas Anderson's working on a game called Binary. There's something there. There's obviously some idea in Lana Wachowski's head, but it doesn't come to anything. Number three, and finally, the analyst, Neil Patrick Harris, in the very slow-mo scene, he does a speech about how the Matrix works better when people are driven by feelings and not facts. Facts don't care about your feelings. That's obviously a message about social media and polarization. But besides that speech, there's no evidence of that idea anywhere else in the film. It doesn't go anywhere. So those things are the noble failure part where you had these ideas, but you didn't do anything with them. And that's what all this film feels like to me. It's like a melding pot of what could have been really, really good ideas, but just without any exploration to just prep it in there for, oh, it's a bit alternative. There's more to this than meets the right. Guess what? Actually, there's not. And I, I, do, I do half think that maybe there was a bit of, Bowing to studio pressures, maybe. I might be wrong, but say say it was the film that I described. I can't see Warner Brothers being happy that you have unmatrixed the Matrix and don't have what you would expect from an action standpoint in there. But this might be a fully realised vision. I don't know. 
because I'm not Lana Wachowski, but I just felt that there was probably a bit more to why we ended up with this end result, which is a bit of a mess, in my opinion. Yeah. As soon as Neo wakes up in the real world, it becomes a different film. And that's at about the halfway point. And it's like half the film is maybe this original quirky idea and the other half is, no, we have to have human machine war and jumpy, flippy action scenes. And I I will say, if I ignore the action itself, seeing the familiar things like the pods and stuff like that and, and it being reintroduced but with 2021 CG, it looked pretty cool. The CG in it was good. It's just the action didn't stand alongside it. It just made it look naff, really. And, and cheap, which, yeah, I'm, I'm saying the same thing again. I'll shut up. Yeah. But then again, that's what this film does. It does the same thing again. So I'm just mirroring what happens to the film, okay? Yeah, okay, that's fine. Do you think you'd ever entertain a revisit to see if there is more under the hood? Or are you actually like, no, it's not worth it? If it appears on Amazon Prime or Netflix, I will watch it for free, but only for free. Would you revisit this? No, I would I would happily swallow the red and the blue pill to risk a possible overdose just to ensure that I never had to see this again. Do you think they're setting up a sequel and would you like to see it? I don't see how you possibly go from this film to a sequel. It does feel as though, as bad as this is, and as much as I'm disappointed, they're not setting this up for another series of films. This felt like a bookend to this franchise. But I have absolutely no doubt that Warner Brothers, 10 years from now, will do a reboot. I think this is setting up a sequel at the end. Yeah. I, don't want, I don't want to see it, but I think it's setting up <laughs> that that we're back to the status quo of there's an oppressive matrix. We need to get people out of it. And now Neo and Trinity are both the one, the two, and they're going to lead the people of Io and the people of Earth to overcome Neil Patrick Harris. I think that's what it was trying to set up. Gosh, right. Well, no, I'm not I'm not going to watch that. Me neither. I mean, if, if the podcast is still going, which hopefully it is, then I will for the sake of the pod, but that's the only reason. We're going to watch something else next week for the sake of the pod, but hopefully it will be good. Pray do tell. What is it, James? The Electrical Life of Lewis Wayne. Starring Man of the Moment, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes, and directed by Will Sharp, who appeared in a few episodes ago for the Olivia Coleman crime drama Landscapers, which was a bit out there, and I'm expecting this will be a bit out there too, which I'm fully looking forward to. Well, thank you very much for listening. If you wish to leave us any feedback, you can do so at podcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Instagram, again, you can by following us at podcast. And please leave us a five-star review and rating on iTunes. James, that was a bit of a, a flat end to the year, a bit of a disappointment. Anything to reinvigorate people's state of mind after that? Do you, do you have any wise words? or Don't take a red pill or a blue pill. Mix them together and make a purple pill because blackcurrant is the best flavour. Well, I didn't see that one coming.